The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 42, which also happens to be the Christmas special. Now, uh, the UK has not had some good news this week, and uh, I know for many of you, it's a really frustrating time this year. Um, it's going to be harder to to be with your families, and um, you know this can make things uh, even more difficult. It's been a difficult year, of course, anyway, and so to have this to, to finish things off uh, is the final goodbye to 2020. So for 2020, I'd just like to say, go away, bugger off. Good riddance, don't come back. And whatever you do, never, ever come here again. You see, I've been working on my acceptance. It's been going well. So anyways, it's been a tough year, but let's try and look on the uh, the positive side as much as we can. And um, if you have been struggling with OCD and anxiety, you can head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can sign up to the newsletter, uh, just by adding your your email address and um, you can also get access to my free mini course and my blog and everything else there so it's a it's a really helpful um, resource so on with today's show this week I interview Robin Stern a licensed clinical social worker and therapist who specializes in working with people with OCD and body dysmorphic disorder it's also the second time she's been on the show and uh, she's coming back on because uh, she's a fantastic guest. We discuss uh, some of the problems of dealing with OCD uh, throughout this uh, epidemic that we've been experiencing. Now, many people with OCD really struggle with uh, contamination themes. And uh, this is particularly true right now for, for many people. And so in this episode, we take a look at some of the issues surrounding uh, contamination OCD and health OCD and how this relates to the epidemic and it doesn't actually it's not just for people with OCD this episode uh, can be really helpful for anyone who's struggling through this uh, epidemic um, and that's enough from you thank you Bruno <laughs> anyway that's it from me um, as always if you have any questions do please let me know and uh, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Robin you can uh, you can find her on her website, uh, com, or you can find her on Instagram at uh, therapy. Many thanks, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast again, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being back. Now it's wonderful to have you back on. So I wanted to to start off, um, you know, obviously today we wanted to discuss about some of the impl- um, the implications of the the pandemic and and how that is uh, affecting people with with OCD. What's your your kind of general take on this this situation? 
So I feel with the pandemic, it has really put people with mental health conditions and specifically with OCD really in a compromised situation where we definitely have noticed an increase in symptoms, um, a, a decrease in the ability to handle distress tolerance and just symptoms kind of reemerging maybe that have been handled in the past through therapy. So I, I noticed with this coming up with people with contamination and health-related OCD fears, whether it's um, somatic symptom disorder or um, or just what people will call health-related OCD, I definitely see that there has been an increase um, in distress with, with clients and an increase in just overall anxiety and symptoms. So this has definitely had a major impact in people with regards to mental health, not just OCD, but really all mental health issues. Yeah, yeah, it really does make sense. I mean, there's so much uh, stress that everybody's under and, you know, many of the normal kind of coping mechanisms that people have, you know, kind of social support, um, you know, maybe like being able to just go out and, you know, go and meet some friends and, and, and do something to, you know, to kind of make you feel better or even just go and do some exercise. All of these things have been made a lot harder. And I think that really kind of... Uh, you know, kind of makes it worse as well. Absolutely. I think so many people, um, especially who've been in treatment using ERP, CBT, part of the recovery is kind of getting back into life and doing things like you said, such as exercise, mm. being around people. And it's so hard because in various places across the world, uh, they're not allowed to congregate, see friends, see family, or even go to gyms or be outside. And so the coping strategies that people have really learned to help deal with life and live more fully have really been altered and taken away in some in some situations, which has made it very difficult mm. for people. Um, and really, especially as the pandemic continues and as the time continues, there's so much frustration and there's so much stress and stress and overwhelming. So it's really, really important as a clinician to really understand that, be aware of it, be mindful of it, and really work with clients to be able to look at what they have to, to deal with right now and how can we help them manage the extra stressors that come along being in the pandemic and dealing with their OCD. Mm. Now, um, people who struggle with kind of, you know, contamination-based uh, OCD, obviously right now, um, you know, they're probably finding it really, really difficult. And, uh, you know, maybe some of the steps that they were working on with the ERP, maybe that's not appropriate um, for them right now to be following that, that, that same kind of stuff. I mean, what general advice would you give to people who are really struggling at the moment with contamination style OCD? I think the most important thing is one kind of understanding and kind of being okay and accepting that that you're feeling more triggered. I think oftentimes we find this with OCD in general that we are we often are struggling people with OCD are often struggling with their OCD but then there's an additional component of shame that they even have it. And so the one thing yeah. is to have be mindful of that, right? And be understanding that okay, we're in a world pandemic right now. This is going to impact how we feel, this is going to impact what we've been doing in our life. And just overall, anybody and everyone is going to feel the change. But I think most importantly, I know for me in the States, is that I always kind of direct the person to be like, okay, let's look at what the CDC guidelines are. 
okay? What is the recommendation? If the recommendation is to wash your hands for 20 seconds, then that's what you should be doing, right? So, so let's be clear, kind of what you said with what we've talked about with ERP. Now, sometimes people with contamination um, pre-COVID would be doing an exposure where they would go to the bathroom and not wash their hands after, or maybe shake someone's hand and not wash their hands after to show that we can sit with some level of discomfort. Obviously, with COVID, that's not something <laughs> that we would be doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and let's be clear, it is not ethical as a clinician to advise our clients to still do it. So that's where we have to be cognizant and aware of the environment and what is going on. So that's why I always say, let's go with the CDC. But as we know, people with OCD, that guideline is not going to ever feel enough. Now, whether it's that just right feeling or this sense of contamination and they feel like it's it, they're not really um, feeling clean enough and they're still afraid of getting contaminated and contaminating other people. What we'll notice is that even the CDC guidelines aren't enough for them, right? So they'll be doing extra hand washing. And so this is just something where as a therapist, you really want to approach it from a very mindful, from a very, from a place of understanding, because this is an this is an additional situation that no one was prepared for. We have never been in before. And so to just expect someone who's struggling from contamination OCD to all of a sudden be able to just jump on board with what the CDC says and not expect them to have some difficulty with, you know, ex extra hand washing or extra measures to deal with contamination is not realistic. And so I always feel as the clinician, it's really important to um, meet the client with where they're at, always offering support, understanding, but then really bring it back into, okay, well, the CDC says this. So you're going to see definitely a, a difference in what the exposures are going to look like. Like I said, you're not going to see someone being told, okay, go touch a toilet bowl and then go put your hands in your mouth. I mean, these are things people did with exposures. You're not going to do that um, anymore, you know, during the pandemic. But yeah, in the same respect, the CDC has guidelines and those guidelines were designed for people and people, I always say, what would people who don't have OCD do? And if a person, usually a person who doesn't have OCD is going to probably wash their hands once or twice and that's it. But we see that people with contamination OCD once or twice is not enough. And so that's where we have to make that change. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's, that's, that's the part that we have to start to notice that, you know, we're going to, there's going to be change. There's going to be an increase in anxiety. There's going to be an increase in compulsions. Um, there's definitely going to feel that distress tolerance. So, you know, another option would be, you know, really introducing, I love DBT skills, you know, distress tolerance, emotion regulation. If clients mm. are so distressed, that is the time to introduce some other behavioral models because we have to expect people to be stressed and overwhelmed during this time. People that didn't even have mental health problems prior to this have issues yeah, now. So absolutely. we have to be, understand that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of something I wanted to ask you as well, because, you know, sadly, I, I really do see uh, this becoming more and more of a problem as this pandemic goes on, that so many people who are maybe, you know, maybe kind of anxious people who right. are not, you know, who are not OCD specifically, you know, unfortunately, I can see, uh, you know, a lot of people 
developing this this thinking style, the obsessive thinking style, even if it's not full blown OCD, you know, somewhere on the OCD kind of spectrum where, you know, they will become obsessive about washing their hands and obsessive about contamination. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a surge of it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it is a real concern because I, I, I was speaking to someone the other day and she was saying how her her parents you know, they, when they get their food, they have to kind of, you know, wipe everything down uh, okay. before they, you know, before they put it away. And, you know, they, they have to, they always do that. And uh, the father was saying that he doesn't know if he's going to be able to stop doing that again mm. in the future. And these are the kind of behaviors when you start thinking in this kind of way, you know, that is obviously not something that we would have done before. And Absolutely. I don't think it's something that is healthy, you know, to think that everything is bad and that our immune system is weak and we could be, we could be, uh, you know, anything could make us sick. And so it is a, it is a real concern for, for the future. What, what do you think about that? And I agree with you. I think, I even think of myself where what, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was a little bit like I would put on gloves to get the boxes from the outside. But now it's I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not necessarily I'm not putting my face on the box. I'm not licking, you know, I'm not doing an exposure, but I am taking in boxes from the outside barehanded and putting them down. I will wash my hands after. But the truth is, is that I have noticed and that's what we would like to see. Right. So we like to see maybe a little less rigidity and obviously we still need to take precautions we still need to be very careful but I think you're right I think it's about and I always so you ask like how do that change so people don't have to keep doing it and I think it's what's going to happen is that there could be a lot of people that had sub subclinical anxiety or OCD and that their their previous way of coping was effective and then obviously with a pandemic a global pandemic everything was thrown into flux which I've seen in my practice right so I've seen people that maybe were able to cope before but then during this point they've never been to therapy in their life but it's like they're everything that they were that was effective with coping before was taken from them. With that being said, I think it's important to realize how is it impacting your quality of life and how is it impacting your level of functioning? And that's when mm -hmm. someone's going to really have to make the determination. Okay, if, if, if you're putting on gloves all the time and you're washing and you won't go here and you won't sit here, okay, maybe then you might want to think about possibly going to a therapist. Maybe then you want to possibly start to think about this is time to work on it. Now, obviously, we're still in a pandemic where we find out all the time new things about what can make us more at risk. But I think you're right. I think the idea of saying that we should, I think it's, it's a dangerous thing to say that we should fear our immune system. I think it's a dangerous thing to say that we can't because I think we know that so much, again, not specifically with this, you know, virus, but in general, a lot of the way that we have built immunity is through being exposed to things, right? So I do believe exactly, that, that yeah. that's going to happen <laughs> with this. I think, unfortunately, um, people in general um, were not as careful as they should have been, and it just got out of control. I don't, I think that I hope to think that in the future, we're not going to feel that we need to live in that, so to speak, plastic bubble, because that's actually dangerous too, right? So if we're not exposing ourselves to things, 
part of the reason we're able to fight things off is that we've been exposed to things for so many years. So I would hate to think that that's going to happen. But for some people, I think it's going to take some more work than others. Right. And so to be mindful of that, that if that person that you spoke to said that her father feels that way, well, it's going to really be up to him. Is it really impacting his functioning? And, and we all know that, right? So we all know when we have a little bit of anxiety and we're able to manage and when it gets to the point where it's like, we need help. So I, you know, one thing I just urge people is to really see how all of these things are impacting your quality of life and your functioning. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, if, if you are, if you are no longer living your life by your values, you know, so if, if the, if the obsessions, you know, have got to the point where you are unable to do the things that are most important to you because you're living in uh, in such fear that some terrible thing could happen. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we need to be careful. We need to be safe. We need to take precautions right now. And, you know, nobody's suggesting that that isn't that isn't the case. However, you know, if six months down the line or a year down the line, you know, uh, we're in a better, we're in a better position and a better situation. And uh, people are, you know, still finding that they are, they're not able to live their life by the values, because, you know, this new fear that they have of contamination right. is so strong and powerful, and they're not doing the things that are most important. That for me is, you know, that is the burning issue. Because if that yeah. is the case, then there is a problem, you know, like you were saying, quality of life. Yeah, like if you're not absolutely. living your life by your values, your quality of life is going to be massively, massively, uh, you know, uh, taken down. And so I think that's a, that's a really big issue. And I think people need to be aware of that. And I'm hoping that, you know, the message, like so many podcasts now and just, you know, messages out there with mental health really since the beginning of the pandemic of really like, us as clinicians and you as a coach, like really getting the message and, and being open and honest about things. So I hope people will utilize the resources and support. Um, because I'll be honest, this is not just an acute situation. This is a situation now that's going on close to a year. So to so we have to be really realistic as well, right? So we have to be realistic that are people just going to bounce back right away? Right. So I, even myself, when I think about the idea of sitting on an airplane, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I could see that. Or, you know, I love Broadway in New York City, like sitting in a little theater with a, another person. I mean, it's like we're so used to not having that. So I think I think, you know, for someone like myself, that's so aware of what exposure is and that you just have to do it. I, I'm very aware of what needs to be done, I think. But for people that have never done any of this work before or have never had an issue with this. Um, it's going to be a new thing for them because I think you're going to find whether or not they meet um, true clinical diagnosis of OCD or it's it going to be an acute situation because it's coming from like a specific situation, which in this case is COVID. Um, they're not going to know necessarily, let me do exposure work, right? So they've never done it. And what we might start to see is similar is just a lot of avoidant behaviors, right? So people that used to do certain things that all of a sudden will not continue to do that. And, and it's, and we, and let's hope that people are going to be open to wanting to rebuild and wanting to, uh, you know, put themselves in situations that are a little bit uncomfortable because I think for anybody, it's going to feel obviously depending on the level of how they 
kind of respected what the guidelines were, right? So there's some people that are still going out and that really did not respect it, um, which is, is not, I'm not making a judgment there, but I'm just saying for people that truly have not been out and have truly kind of really stayed close to home, uh, when you're saying you've done that for a year, that definitely has an impact on you and your mental health and your quality of life. And we have to be aware of that, regardless if you have a pre-existing mental health condition or not. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting area. I mean, I think it's important, you know, to, to try not to mix with big groups of people and to, right. you know, to, uh, to take precautions. At the same time, though, you know, like or you live in a, in, a, in a big, obviously you live in New York, so it's quite tricky for you. But if you live somewhere where you can get outside, you can go out into nature, you can, uh, you know, you can go for a run, you can go for a bike ride. Um, these things, I think, are really, really important for, for health in general. And I, I do encourage people, you know, to do that if you because, you know, the chances of getting COVID outdoors in the sunshine is uh, is very small because uh, COVID can't actually exist right now anyway in, in sunlight. The sunlight kills it. And so, you know, there are situations where I think it's important that, that people need to, to, to get out for their mental health. But, yeah, I mean, what you're saying ultimately is true. I mean, it's uh, I really do hope um, in six months to a year's time or whenever right. it's whenever it right. is when we, we get a handle <laughs> that people are able to, you know, to to um, kind of face up to this avoidance because absolutely and reintegrate into the way that they were living before it would be such a shame yeah. you know yeah. um to see people really lose who they were before this and i think um like i said i think we have to also be very i, I think for me i'm very aware of the people that were kind of on the kind of the cusp of like really struggling and not. And those are the people that I think are having the most difficult time. I'm not saying that people who have severe OCD aren't, but they're very used to kind of these major struggles and battles in their life. And they've been used to kind of being pushed down. So they have that strength within themselves to be able to go and pick back up. I think the people that are kind of more on the outskirts that maybe kind of, like I said, had the ability to cope with friends going out, working, being out in the world, whatever that looked like, family, those are the people that I believe are really struggling. The ones mm -hmm. that are subclinical to mild OCD. Those people are, that is where I've noticed in my own practice, a complete shift. People who have come yeah. to me and said, I've had OCD for 10, 10 plus years, but I've never been to therapy in my life. And now I just can't manage it. That is like I said, I'm not saying that the people who have really bad contamination OCD aren't struggling. Let me be clear, they are. But again, if they've been in treatment and they've, this is just another thing. That doesn't mean this has been easy for them. That doesn't mean this is not an additional stressor. But people who've really never been faced with this amount of distress and anxiety are really struggling. And that's what I've really noticed with my practice. Yeah. And yeah, people yeah, with yeah. OCD in general. I think you're right. I think, uh, yeah, so the people who've been in, in practice, you know, uh, been working on the skills that they need to be able to deal with uh, different uh, obsessions. And so obviously they can then use those skills and, you know, they can keep applying them throughout their lives. But if you're someone who struggled with OCD on your own 
and you haven't been to therapy, then maybe you don't have those skills right. to fall back on. And so right Absolutely. now is is a real challenge. Yeah, that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's definitely what I've seen, right? And people are just like blown away. Like they don't know how to kind of get back to a middle ground of being able to feel balanced. And so these are, this is what's happening. And so I, I do anticipate this will continue to happen. I think that you're going to have a mixed bag, right? So you're going to have some people that have chosen to go to therapy during the pandemic. And then you're going to have some people who have really avoided everything and really stayed home. And then kind of like what you talked about, once things reopen are just not going to be able to get back out there. And that's when there's going to be another wave of when we start to realize, wow, this has had such an impact, you know, and, and mm. OCD in general is such a difficult disorder to treat. And people oftentimes want to do avoidant behaviors and compulsions just because we know in the moment there's a brief, um, there's a brief respite from anxiety and discomfort, but we obviously know overall that it only, um, increases the strength of the intrusive thought and what you're holding on to and it's not beneficial overall and that the best way to treat OCD is by you know moving towards it not avoiding it and and yeah you know getting you know heading it straight on so you know I think that um it's going to be very it's it's it you know it's hard as a clinician to see it's hard as a clinician to see just how the world emotionally is dealing with it um and, and yeah. I, I don't, ant I, I, I don't think we're out of that yet. Right. So I think, like I said, I think we have a mixed bag of how it's impacting people. And I think even how it's going to impact people at the other end is interesting. And I think there's also something to be said with, we don't know how getting COVID affects someone's mental health. So with that being said, that's another thing that's still unknown. We know that I think research is out there that says 20% of people who get COVID develop a mental health problem. Now, the research has not yet said, do these people have prior mental health problems? The research isn't showing how is it affecting people who already have mental health problems. So I see people who have already had issues and they've had COVID and then it's gotten, it's gotten increasingly worse. So these are a lot of unknowns, right? So we're, we're still in a lot of like that unknown territory of what's going to happen here, you know, but the most, do you, do you think that, yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, I wanted to go off on a tangent, but actually it's kind of, it's, it's related. And, and what you're just saying there is kind of drawn my attention to it anyway. Um, and, and that is this, like, obviously right now we are, you know, we're quickly moving towards Christmas. Uh, traditionally people would get together um, obviously this year it's going to be, uh, you know, very difficult to do that. I myself am having to, to stay here. I won't be seeing my family at all this year. So it will be a zoom Christmas for me. Right. And I think it will be a zoom Christmas for, for many other people. Too. Right. Um, and, um, you know, you were just talking there about kind of the, the issues that with, you know, COVID perhaps kind of making mental health worse. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it could do, but like you were saying, the research isn't clear yet, you know, it's right. kind of, right. yeah, so it's, it's kind of speculative, but it might, it might do. Um, but it's also, there also must be, you know, a connection between, of, of course, between the lockdowns and, you know, a, a general rise in mental health issues, as was, we were also saying earlier. percent what do you think the kind of, you know, because obviously we need to be doing 
we had to do the lockdowns at the very start. Uh, it was it was absolutely essential because we didn't know sure. anything about about the virus or, or what was happening. And uh, you know, there's still lockdowns going on now. What do you think the the kind of the repercussions could be in terms of not just like in terms of OCD? I'm I'm now talking more about kind of you know like depression, like loneliness, um, even even suicide because. I think this is an area um, because everyone is so concerned about the virus, rightly right. so. You know, it's, right. it's, a, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous virus, but not much is being said about you know some of the other uh, deaths you know that that might occur. Sadly, because of these lockdowns, and it is a big concern of mine because there is a lot that's going on there, but not much is being said about it. I, I agree with you. I think that um, we need to be talking more about it. I think that people uh, are struggling with all aspects of their mental health. And I think what's scarier, and I and I, it's, it's not to say, so let me be clear, I'm not minimizing people that had mental health issues before COVID, but I think mm. it's important to understand that people that did know how to reach out, right? So know, like, okay, who are my people? Who are my support system in terms of therapists or providers or whatever there is? But I think people that are really that we see like an increase in depression, anxiety, even suicidal ideation are people that have never dealt with this before in their life. I think we see a tremendous increase in that because this is new territory for them. They don't they've never felt this way ever. And I think it scares them. I do think people that also are susceptible to really high levels of suicidal ideation and depression, this also makes them feel like, what's the point? And I think we have to be aware of that. And I think it's looking at the coping, what can we offer as coping skills? And I know this might sound so simple and, you know, but but it's, it's, it's some kind of practice every day that you do something for yourself. You have to engage in self-care. Um, even if you can't get out, if, like you said, get outside for some fresh air. Um, I love meditation. So any kind of meditation practice, guided meditation practice where you become one with your body. Um, we're so in our heads right now with hearing all this stuff on the radio. I like any kind of movement as well. So if you can walk or you can do some kind of yoga, like yoga with Adrian is on YouTube. It's free. You need to reconnect your body, your mind and your soul all together. And it's it's a scare. I agree with you. I think we're in a, in a very we're in a bad situation because on one end, we know the importance of being together with people, right? Holiday time. We know the importance of just a community feeling with work and just, and in general, the interaction with people, what that does to a person, how that helps a person who struggles with depression, how that helps a person with anxiety or suicidal ideation, feeling this connection to other people. But then we're also in a situation where we know that being around people can bring about a virus that we don't know how it's going to affect each and every one of us individually. So it's really, I think, unfortunately, because of the widespread, there was no other way around it. I can't speak to what's being done right now, but I feel like I guess at that point when the lockdowns really started at the beginning, I think they felt that there was no other way to contain the spread at that point. But no one really did take into consideration. And the question is, would that have changed things? I don't know. I don't know if we would have, if that would have, 
you know, the increase in substance use, right? So we see a tremendous increase in substance use. We do see an increase. Mm, I don't even yeah. know, right? I don't really even know the exact statistics with, with how many increase in suicide. But the question is, if that was still there, the same way our economy has tanked, would that have changed whether or not the executive orders would have shifted to not closing down the world? I don't think so. I think what this is really showing is that we need more skills, tools, and other ways to help people when we're in situations like that. So we need to use this experience as, okay, where are we lacking? Where do we need the extra support? Because now that we've experienced something like this, we need to almost assume that at some other point in time, we may have this happen again. And where are we lacking? Where are we deficient in the support and the services needed to, for people that were really struggling? Because I'm not so sure that we would have been able to avoid that lockdown. I don't know. You know, so I think it's about kind of accepting we had to do it, but where were we lacking to support the people that needed it when that was happening? Yeah, and and you know there are there are positives you know in terms of the way that um, mental health services have been able to adapt to to working online. No, uh, you were saying earlier that you're you know obviously now you're working completely online. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't always the case, or, or maybe it was for you. But um, right, you know, right, absolutely, that's that's definitely changed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and so so that's. That's definitely beneficial, and there's 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 lots of uh, you know many industries are having to adapt you know to this situation and uh, be creative and come up with ways to get around it. And so now I think for many people, you know, getting access to to quality mental health um, you know support is perhaps easier than ever. They can you know they can literally go to their office, connect to, to Zoom or Skype or whatever, and speak to someone, and that's. That's incredible. I think that's uh, that's definitely a positive that's that's come out of this. Absolutely. I think the access to quality care. Right. So even with like as an OCD specialist, if you especially with the licensing, there's been some a little bit more in the states. There's some um, flexibility. So some of the state licensor, licensing boards are allowing people to get temporary license, which means that or even just statewide. So I'm in New York and New York is tremendous. Right. But if you're all the way upstate and you were eight hours from my office, you weren't coming for weekly sessions. But now with teletherapy and remote sessions, people have access to specialists that they never did before. So that has definitely opened it up, and which is good. Um, and like I said, I think we have to learn from this and we have to say, OK, where do we need more? Where where you know, what is the conversation that needs to be out there? I think in general, as much as we're trying to destigmatize mental health, it's not it's not enough. We still we need to do more. And so I think that 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 it's, you know, because people are still struggling in silence because they're not comfortable opening up, whether it's in certain careers that they have or certain situations mm. or cultures or ethnicities yeah. that they're not comfortable. I think we need to keep pushing forward because that also we're losing people that way, right? Yeah. We're losing people okay. in terms of coming in. So that's important. Okay. So if someone is really struggling to open up about their mental health, whether that's to, you know, to their, their family or, you know, close friends or even, you know, kind of reaching out to ask for, for help from a therapist or, or, um, you know, or somebody else, what, what advice would you give them to try to, to try to overcome the fear that they have surrounding that? 
Uh, the fear of like asking for help? Yeah. Well, I think it's about asking yourself, you know, what is that fear coming from? Is it coming from, you know, like I said, like a cultural thing? Is it coming from a pride thing? And, and really bringing it back to, like I said, I think especially now, like when we're dealing with mental health issues in general outside of a pandemic, I think it's really hard when someone is not used to getting help, but really understand like the climate of the world right now. You're not alone mm. in this. A lot of people are feeling this way. So really that normalized feeling of like, it's okay to ask for help. But I think what you have to also do is you have to start somewhere. So if someone is not wanting, right? So let's be clear, not everyone's going to want to talk to a therapist. Then what are some other tools and strategies that people can use when they're struggling, right? So that's why I bring mm. up the meditation. I bring up yoga, healthy eating, walking, whatever that looks like so that you can begin to start to do things to re-engage yourself in life and feel like each day you have a purpose. So yeah, yes, absolutely. it would be great yeah. if we can get everyone into therapy, but let's be clear, not everyone's going to be open to that. So it's about let's have other things that are also available for people to reintegrate them and make them feel each and every day that it's not like a groundhog's day and that each day they're moving forward in something. So one uh, thing I – yeah. yeah. I think I think in a way, kind of, you know, what you're what you're kind of uh, the message you're giving there anyway to me is is that it's a little bit, you know, it's about self-compassion, really. You know, so maybe you're not feeling, you know, in a place to be able to open up enough to go and work with a therapist. However, you know, it is about taking care of yourself uh, in in some way or other and doing trying to do something every day that kind of you know that kind of moves you in the right direction so whether that's doing some yoga whether that's doing meditation whether that's going for a walk in the park you know all of these things can be really beneficial to our mental health and actually Absolutely. they are all actually an act of you know of of self compassion and when we do that we know that that really does help massively with all of these kinds of problems when we can learn to truly accept ourselves and do positive things for ourselves uh, for ourselves, then, you know, it really does, uh, that really does add up in the, in the long run. Right. And I think just a little thing. And if I could, if for, for listeners right now, one thing that you could try to do each and every day is be, say one thing that you're positive that you did for yourself that day, however small that is, if it's drinking eight glasses of water, if it's walking around the block, if it's go, do whatever that is, because we're so used to, especially in the pandemic, of being negative. We're hearing negative news. Everyone's in a negative space. It's about shifting the perspective, right? So just even small things like that, those little seeds add up to things. And and so mm. we don't even realize that we, t we could take little small steps and that will add up. And so just as basic as that, right, each and every day, one thing you're grateful for, each and every day, one thing you're proud of yourself that you completed. And I always say that. I just think it's an important thing to do. It holds yourself accountable to yourself. That's the most important thing. And it keeps you feeling connected to you and connected to a feeling of worthiness and connected to a feeling of self-love. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think that's so important. I 100% I agree. I, I, and I think it's something that, you know, we all struggle with, whether you, whether you have a, a mental health problem or not you know, we all struggle with self-compassion sometimes. And if we, if we can work on that, it, like you were just saying, it really does have a, a big impact in, in a surprising way and in different areas in, in, in life. And, you know, I think uh, journaling is quite a good thing for, for this as well, no, because if you're right. able to kind of, you know, have 
write down different things that you're grateful for in the morning and to, you know, journal about what you want to achieve that day or that week. Um, you know, you can, you can, that can help keep you on track and uh, keep you moving again, you know, in the right direction. Absolutely. I think all these things are such great ideas. Again, I think we have to always be aware of meeting a person where they're at. Not every person's going to be open to different things and that's okay. And there are mm. different things that you can offer people to try to, like you said, like invest, like journaling, investing in yourself, self-care, self-love, like all of that is important. The energy regardless is just in the world right now is so heavy. So anything that you can do to kind of support yourself through this time is going to be very important and will go a long way in terms of being very helpful. Mm. For people who are really struggling with, you know, a particular really strong obsession and they're finding it very difficult at the moment uh, for whatever reason, you know, may, maybe it's something related to, to the pandemic uh, and health. Um, how can they, how can they like, help themselves to try to get out of that particular mindset and come more into the present moment? So I think it's about one, you know, bringing this, I love mindfulness. So I think, you know, um, that would really be just with anybody with OCD, because we're with OCD, people are always in their head going to the what if I need certainty, I need to know. I think just really, if they're, you know, if they're not working with a therapist or working with someone to do the exposures, then my suggestion would be at least kind of embracing the idea of a mindfulness practice on a daily basis, because it's very important when you're dealing with OCD, when what we're trying to have you do is we're trying to have you stay in the here and now and not go into that, like, what if, what will be need to know. And so I really think that a 10 to 15 minute minimum practice of some type of mindfulness work daily will help to hopefully begin to reshift your process when you start to get into your head and you begin to reground yourself and, and be present. Now, I'm not going to say that it's going to be 100% effective, but it will, my hope is that it will take away a bit of that distress tolerance and that the sense of like intense emotion that you're feeling and the distress you're feeling. So I really yeah. think what, that, you know, I always really encourage that in my practice. I really encourage daily mindfulness, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be quiet meditation. Obviously for someone with OCD, that's actually probably more difficult, right? To, to be just quiet. So I love um, listening. There's a great app called Insight Timer. It's free and you can listen to guided meditations. It is so important, especially with anxiety, with OCD, to learn to be present, to learn to be in the moment, to learn how to ground yourself, really trying to do that, whether it's through meditation, incorporating essential oils, because oils through the use of your sense of smell will help to ground you. You know, really learning how to ground yourself will be the first step to take away some of that intensity and that emotion that you want to take the edge off. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think like informal meditation techniques for people with OCD can be really helpful now because things like when you're when you're washing the dishes, really pay attention to that whole process. Like notice the temperature of the water notice the soap studs, notice picking up the, the plates and how they feel. Those kind of activities, you know, that you do in the in the moment. You know, if you do find yourself when you're at the sink kind of, you know, going into a spiral right. of rumination right. and obsession, you know, the best thing that you can try to do in that situation is come into the present moment. Right. And uh, 
I but I, I do I do also love formal meditation. And yeah, you're obviously saying you were talking about in, the Insight Timer, and that's that that is a really great app. Um, yes. And and you know, um, listening to some guided meditations, and I think a, re- a really it's. I mean, for me, it really is. I think meditation. It's it's kind of like the perfect practice if you have it really, if you if have you can. OCD. Yeah, it's great. It, re- it really is because it's training that very part of the brain that, for whatever reason, has become a little bit untamed. You know, it's a little bit wild that part of us. It's a bit out of control, and you know, we need to try to bring it a little bit more under control and and that's what it's all about it's just when you're when you're there if you're for example if the object of your meditation is your breath you know and every time that you find yourself you know distracted from following the breath which happens to all of us even if right. you are you know uh, a, a monk who's been meditating for 30 years absolutely, you know, absolutely. They, they still they still struggle with monkey mind you know, and so every time that you find yourself, you know, you've been distracted by a thought, it's just gently bring your attention back to the the object of your of your focus. And, you know, that might happen 20, 30 times in a minute, but that doesn't matter. Like, that's OK. That is the process. That is the thing that you're training. And, you know, and so you're training that muscle to be able to to bring your attention back to the present moment. And so obviously in real life, when you're struggling with OCD, if you have that ability to keep bringing your attention back to the present moment and not focus on the thoughts in your head, you're going to be in a much better position. Yes. So I think it's, I think that that would be definitely a recommendation to take home from today. It's like, if you're not in a place, regardless of what you're dealing with, going into therapy or doing something starting with a daily meditation process I practice I think you will see benefits I really do it's it, but it's about staying mm. committed to it I don't think if you do it one yeah. day you're gonna all of a sudden see the results right so you ha- it has to be something that you no. build upon you know yeah. and I think if you yeah. build upon it I think you will really start to see you know changes in that yeah absolutely okay and uh if you had like you know another Another final tip before we before we finish related to uh, to the issues we've been discussing tonight. Um, what 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 would you say? Do you think? I think the most important thing is I think people need to be kind to themselves during this this period. I think people mm. need to allow themselves to experience their emotions, not be afraid of them, but obviously reach out to people when things feel too heavy for them. But I think that it's a universal thing right now that people are having difficulties and are struggling and there's nothing to be ashamed of. No one's expectation of you is that you can overcome things alone and that the way that worked for, for you before will work for you now. So being understanding of that. And I think if you if you can give yourself the benefit of the doubt and understand that and be open and willing to do other things to help support you. I think that your life is going to be much more full, hopefully, when we when this ends, because you're going to get to know yourself in a different way, right? So you're going to become more grounded in yourself, become more in tune to who you are, to your body, your mind, your soul. And I think, you know, using this opportunity to really grow internally, grow as a person, and, you know, with the difficulties come strength. Right. So it's all in the perspective and the shift of that. And I really believe that there's so much help and support out there listening to all your podcasts and really going back through them and seeing how different things people have spoken about have will help and looking at the tips for that. So I think that there's a lot 
to be out there to use and that hopefully people will use what is there and um, will advocate for themselves and, and, you know, ask for help and support as needed. Yeah, absolutely. Robin, that's a, that's a really, uh, a really positive note to finish on. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful talking to you again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a beautiful holiday and a happy new year, and hopefully we'll be in a much better place in six to 12 months, hopefully sooner. But uh, you know, yes. uh, my hope is that um, this will at least give people some strategies and things to help them when they're struggling. Fantastic. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they find out about you, please? Sure, absolutely. So you can find me on my website, which is rlsterntherapy.com, or you can find me on Facebook at the BDD and OCD Center of Greater New York. And you can Google me also at Robin Stern LCSW. I'm on the International OCD Foundation website as well. That's great. Okay. Many thanks, Robin. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Just a quick reminder that on my website now, there is a free mini course for OCD and anxiety. Remember, if you want to know more about me, you can check me out on Instagram, Robert James Coaching UK. You can go and join the Facebook group if you like, the Robert James Coaching Anxiety and OCD Support Group. And also you can check out my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.